This is like the the peeing equivalent of hoarding, right? Where you're like, there's a thing that I can do and I'm yeah. going to do it as hard as I possibly can. That's true. I hoarded my own pee during this first quarantine. And, uh, and it didn't help at all. It didn't help for shit. For, well, or for piss, I guess, yeah. in this case. Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 251 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm talking into a towel. I'm Sam, and I'm covered in blankets. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March 2020. Before Whoa. we started, <laughs> we have a warning. Anything Whoa. can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. Uh, so... If you know, if you're not into that, then you don't have to listen. So there you go. Speaking of lots of twenties, uh, we we now that we actually have the launch date out, we can talk about things like we previously thought we had a different launch date, which was going to be on two twenty twenty twenty. Yeah, because we, we thought that number sounded that. great. Two twenty twenty twenty. Yep, that would have been uh, an absolute nightmare to try to pull off. That turns out. Yeah, I'm glad we did not do that. Yes. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a new one. Hot from on the line. Igor Bobus. <laughs> nice. Who says, three coffees each? I expect you to be pretty hyper for the next podcast. Seriously, love your show, love your games, love the positive bent of your podcast in a crazy world. Keep it up, smiley face. So thank you very much for Will the do. donation. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters who are uh, just, you know, just pumping pumping that uh, green into our microphone veins. Pumping those so, 20s yes. into our 2020. All right. So let's talk about life. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a global pandemic. Yeah. Yes. You may notice so. that our audio sounds different than usual. Hopefully not terrible, but we're all just doing our best. We are now recording from home. Mm-hmm. Like in ye olden times from three yes. years ago when we used to nope. – this was how we only did it. No plague yeah. could stop our podcast from occurring I think is is the note to note here. Yeah. If we all three get it, do you think we'll still try to do the podcast and just be like – It'll just be all three of us coughing and laughing and then coughing more I think. That'll be yeah. the, the extent of it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this thing. Um, so we're all we're, – as you guys said, we're all working from home. Uh, should we talk about what that's been like? Yeah, how that's going? Yeah, well, we I mean, could, I, maybe maybe we could find some some pro tips in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the fascinating thing about it is, of course, we're we are lucky enough to be able to continue our jobs from a from a remote location, uh, which is not the case for a lot of people. So uh, everybody's kind of hurting right now, um, which has been terrible to see and uh, and 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 hard to figure out kind of how we you know, how it is that our work fits into that uh, and how it is that making games fits into like this whole pandemic situation. Um, and I think, I think there's something interesting. It's as far as the work from, from home piece for it, which is that it does add, it adds just, there's a lot of interesting other complications that come from, from having to work from home as much as people, um, you know, idealize the notion of it, everything from, you know, dogs barking outside uh, or, you know, needing to, take care of laundry or just the urge to go do some dishes in the middle of the day. Uh, all sorts of stuff uh, that creeps in as well as what we realized uh, yesterday, which is that work becomes only about work. Whereas when we're all in the studio environment physically, um, you know, you'll come in. You the get morning. to be people together. Yeah. You come in the morning, you chat for a little bit. 
if you happen to be going to lunch at the same time as someone else, you'll chat with them for a bit. Uh, and so there's a lot more of just that sort of general being people together thing versus only communicating and reaching out when you have, you know, a work thing, a work thing. Um, and so we've been, we've been trying to navigate this as best we can. Uh, we've just sort of modified everything to be, to be sort of a weird digital parallel to, to how we had set up the office. Um, so in our case, what that means is we set up VoIP channels for everybody. So we're, we use discord for all of our stuff and, uh, and everybody has their own little office. Yeah, and Discord is really nice for just like popping in and out of voice conversations as well as uh, video conversations. It's, yeah. it's just so trivially easy to do it. Yeah. yeah, so actually each of us is just always on voice all the time, sitting kind of lurking in our channel. So if anybody needs anything, they can just appear and just mm-hmm. ask a question. Just like how you know in the office they could just tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, I got a question about this thing. Yeah. So it makes mm-hmm. for a nice free flow kind of open feel. Yeah, and one of the main things we wanted to get away from was that the problem of typing, which like typing messages to people, especially when you're trying to get stuff done, can very easily just feel bad. Like it can feel negative where it's like, where's this? If you ask, where's this thing, uh, you know, to one of your colleagues. And then eight minutes later, yeah, to get your answer. Uh, and even then, like the person receiving it, like it always, it's always going to feel way more intense via text for some reason than it does if someone just pops in your office and they're like, hey, where's this thing at? As opposed to reading that, you know, yeah, it's um, one of those things that we used to. And, and if you go back and listen to the to our our historical podcast, you'll hear us talk a lot about deep work and about the importance of not being interrupted and all that kind of stuff. And we've actually largely moved away from that being a core way of thinking about work, um, which we talked about a little bit, but maybe not explicitly in the this sort of this year of episodes. Yeah, uh, because. That this idea that the collaboration and what the team is doing is way more important than what any person is doing at any given moment anyway, uh, sort of necessitates being able to be interrupted. Um, yes. And and we can still – actually, a nice thing about being in a sort of the working from home style where we all have our, our sort of fake offices set up in Discord is that you can just truly unplug. So you can like let everybody know, hey, I need the next two hours just to do stuff. Uh, don't bug me. And then you can make it literally impossible to be bugged, right? Yeah. Right, um, and as, as long as everybody knows that you shouldn't be doing that very much, then this can actually work really well. Uh, and so, so actually, so I don't know if, if it seems a little like counterintuitive, maybe uh, that we've we've basically made it as easy as possible for each of us to interrupt each other, uh, like just with voice during the middle of the day. Um, but I think you need that to have the sense that you're in like a legit good office environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think the 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 inability to to have that sort of uh, that sort of low key, very very easy social time with people is one of the hardest things about. I mean, just about stuff like quarantine, right? At the end yep. of the day, it's like you're just you're just not around people, and especially for a lot of us, you know, work is where you're hanging out with people. So you know, our our you know our sympathies go out to everybody who's been actually affected as far as their job on this stuff. Um, it's just a really hard thing to to get through, and so we're hoping to hoping to be able to provide a, a bit of of levity and some escape um, just from from the pandemic, essentially. Yeah. So we're, we as always, we're not going to get too real on yeah. on the podcast because this is this is a form of entertainment meant for just like our games. It's for it's for even it's exactly this kind of situation. We want to make sure that uh, that you're not only hearing bad news everywhere you turn. Yeah, and I also want to say one of the fun things about working from home is. 
the random technological failures that kind of just happen. Yeah, I noticed Seth so, just suddenly popped out of Discord a second ago. My Discord mm-hmm. literally just turned itself off and then turned itself back on again. Yep. Don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It must have had a it must have had a bug, and I was like, I don't know. I'll just try this because you know that's I think what we would do. It's simulating that experience where when you're talking to someone, they get distracted. You know what I mean? In the in the workplace yeah. environment, they're so, just gone now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw I saw some some announcement uh, uh, this morning about um, internet internet services and how throughout you know throughout all the stuff that's going on. Um, the internet will mostly be available. And everybody's like, <laughs> mostly? Yeah, <laughs> right. It doesn't sound like good news. Well, is, it's an interesting problem because when it comes to scale, like, you know, every every major web service has been, been moving more and more towards sort of uh, arbitrary scalability and all this kind of stuff. But it all still hinges on the availability of uh, of the machines to do the work, right? Yeah. And so if you're something like AWS and AWS, AWS or, you know, Google Cloud or Microsoft uh, Azure, yeah, I think yes. that's right. Sure. Um, if you're one of those things, then then you need to have enough physical hardware to support, you know, the, the peak activity on your services. And so they build a lot of slack, especially because there are certain parts of the day uh, – that are just much more active than others. So then, on the all the other parts of the day, they still have to have that hardware, right? Yeah, and they also have provision for growth. The cloud is just somebody else's computer. The cloud is just somebody else's computer. But now, now, sort of all times are basically going to be become more equivalent to what peak times used to look like, and peak times are going to go even higher, right? And so, mm-hmm. there's probably going to be some service outages because the hardware just literally won't be available sometimes because of just how intense the use is. And especially because so much of the use of all these cloud services comes from things like streaming, um, yeah. which is very costly uh, to to do. And so when those things go up, then it makes it actually much harder for everybody else to get resources. Yeah. It was the case yeah. that Xbox uh, Live did go down for a brief period of time. So uh, did Switch. Of- so did, yep. Nintendo Online also did. Yep. Uh, so there's, uh, I believe online gaming, the last metric I saw, is up 75%, which yeah, is it's wild. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of – Yeah, Steam's on yeah. their highest concurrent user base ever at 20 million users. Yeah. I think their normal yeah. peak is like 11 million, right? Yep, something like that. Yeah, it's just, it's just exploding. And, and honestly, we're still at a phase here in the US where um, – a, st- a still significant portion of the population and of the states are not taking this thing very seriously, and, and still a lot of people are just out and about. Yeah. Right. And of course, uh, the more that continues to be the case, the harder this thing is going to force a lockdown later. Um, which means these these numbers are only going to rise in terms of like how many people are just stuck in their houses watching Netflix or yep. playing games or whatever. And so it's going to be really. Um, it's going to be really challenging for a lot of these companies to continue to provide these services cuz also like of course they these companies like Netflix and stuff like they have to shift to a work from home mm-hmm. model yep. and it's going to be hard for them to upgrade their their uh hardware and their infrastructure if if people are not supposed to come in physically into a space and just stay in their houses right although right. my bet um, is that Netflix specifically is already prepared for this <laughs> yeah, yeah that company their chaos that, monkey threw a pandemic at them like years ago They're oh fine. yeah no that that company's approach to to devops and to like disaster preparedness is just wild netflix will yeah it's the like the cockroach of yeah exactly uh, while the rest of the world burns <laughs> netflix will still be streaming netflix will still be streaming no matter what well, um, so maybe but, we should just have a handful of psas and then maybe some 
uh, since we are broadcasting anyway, it's probably a responsible thing to do. And then we can talk about some advice for, for working from home and then we can get into the other parts of the podcast. Does that make sense? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so PSAs. Um, first, listen to credible news sources only. There's infinite, mm-hmm. absolute 100% bullshit stuff flying around. Um, yep. So WHO is probably actually the best source because our own government is a trash pile. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, so the CDC is doing its best. Adam, but uh, the, <laughs> the CDC is doing its best and used to be a really good source, um, and is still a, a good source. Um, but it's it is under resourced, and so so uh, it's they're having a hard time. They're just having a hard time keeping up with what's going on. But CDC and WHO are going to be your go tos. Um, don't hoard things because you make you don't need to. Um, like the supply chains aren't disrupted. We're still things are still going to be moving around, and you're making it hard for the people to do stuff. Uh, yeah, don't so reference it, on that, which is the so as far as don't don't hoard stuff goes. There are people who need certain supplies who actually need them um, on a on a day to day basis. Uh, a good example is you know when I was when I was six, I you know, quarantine is not a stranger uh, actually to to us in the studio and certainly not to me. So I was under, under quarantine for two months straight during all that stem cell transplant stuff because I had no immune system. Um, yeah, yeah. So you can't exactly, be out and about. Yeah. And that's exactly the time when, when, you know, our family needed to go, for example, buy a bottle, a single bottle or two of hand sanitizer. Um, and everyone's keeping a little bit, you know, cleaner and that sort of thing. And so the problem is with hoarding is that one, you just don't need to do it. Cause as Adam said, Supply chains are fine. Um, but yeah, two the only reason that, you need to do it is because people are doing it, which is just stupid. So. Yes. So uh, just keep that in mind. Is like there are people who actually need the stuff right now. So don't don't go too wild out there buying and toilet paper. Yeah, and it's not even just limited to those kind of rare cases, those like edge cases of people with, with uh, suppressed immune systems, that sort of thing. Um, a, an enormous fraction of the, of the population in any country uh, – can't easily just go buy a, a fuckload of stuff at once because they're yeah. living paycheck to paycheck. They don't have a, a lot of just spare resources. And so every time you do that, you make it so that when they make their daily trip to go do something, then stuff just isn't there. Right. Uh, so which means then they have to make another daily trip the next day and the next day. Uh, and then they're more exposed. Yeah. So, so, so if you're that. doing that, just quit, <laughs> quit doing that. Um, so that's I think that's the kind of the main thing in terms of the the main consequences of all this are actually going to be how we all treat each other and how we all make it harder for uh, for those of us who are struggling more just in day to day life to actually get through this fine. So mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, you should just ask yourself: Am I making things even worse for people? And if the answer is yes, just quit doing that. Just quit chill out. doing that. Yeah. In a similar vein, I think uh, there's a there's a certain kind of attitude that we all have to take, um, which is that. This year, we are all going to be dramatically financially impacted. Yeah. Um, it, that's what is going to happen. If you are in a position like we are, where we're all meaning like the whole, the whole Earth everything, planet. the whole, yeah. the whole yeah. planet. Uh, and so that's something that you're, you just kind of have to accept that that's going to happen. And then in particular, if you, like we, are in an industry that is less impacted by this than others. Um, and if you, as a, just as an individual and as a family, are, uh, doing fine because you're in a strong financial position in the first place, then this is exactly the time for you to start making some sacrifices. <laughs> this is like, mm-hmm. there is no better, there has been no better time really. Um, and so yeah, even small even if things, it's, uh, reaching out to your friends or neighbors, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a very stable, fine position, um, reaching out to your friends and neighbors and just seeing if there's anything that 
you can do for them. Yeah. And even, um, and even pretty small things like supporting local businesses as much as you can. So a lot of, a lot of local restaurants here are doing all these like takeout systems and stuff uh, to try to keep their restaurants afloat. And normally, you know, my wife and I budget, so we don't spend infinite money on going out to eat, but now we're going to actually flip that and try to spend as much money as we can going out to eat. Right. Right. Uh, Cause the idea is that, that this is impacting a lot of other people much more than it is us. And, and if we can find some ways to sort of support the local economy, since that's every, everybody's lives sort of hinges on that all working fine. Yeah. So you can even get creative with it. So I, I, I was supposed to have a haircut last week and I canceled of course, and then uh, called my hairstylist and I was like, Hey, you know, if you need it, I can just pay for a couple of haircuts now. Yeah. And then you can just, just whenever this is done, just we'll prepay start. for haircuts. Yeah, I'll prepay. Um, so there's, if, you, if you're in a position uh, like that, then, then definitely you know, get a little creative and see if there's there's ways you can help out. Uh, and again, focusing on local stuff, the businesses around you is going to be uh, probably the most impactful thing you can do. Uh, try to keep things open, uh, keep keep some of the cash flowing around if possible. Yeah, um, unfortunately, the at least in the United States, the government response is extremely disorganized and and basically useless, and so. We can't point you towards any resources. Just like go here and find out how you can help the most. Like those the kinds of things don't exist. We're all kind of on our own here. Yeah, we're on our own. So and, and local governments are having to pick up uh, all the work, and they're doing you know a variable wide range of jobs. Yeah. So so look around, try to find examples of 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 groups that seem to be doing things well, um, and use those as a reference. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about working from home. Yeah. So and pro tips in there. So uh, when we first started our work from home shift, we kind of looked back to um, the experience that we went through when Sam was going through his chemotherapy uh, because of things like quarantine or being trapped in a hospital for a long period of time. Um, and and with this kind of stuff, uh, there's there's two parts to it. You know, one is just the, the structure in terms of like making sure you have the uh, the devices so that you can communicate and doing things like updating, you know, maybe like we have our discord server that we updated. Um, so, so doing whatever you can to kind of recreate a routine that you can duck into. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other big thing is, is the attitude about it. So uh, it can be very easy to just kind of fly off the rails because you're at home and there's laundry to do and dishes to do and all kinds of other distractors, dogs potentially, or cats. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, probably children or spouses as well locked in the house now with you, which can also create some interesting uh, situations. So uh, Sam, I don't know if you want to speak to what worked for you when you were trapped in the hospital for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. I think the, the first time I was quarantined, uh, I did not do well was the easy way to put it. Uh, basically, there was this drug I got come out of the Trexate, and they were like, this might make crystals in your eyes. So, not even kidding. So, we need to watch, uh, basically watch your pee and see when you have peed out literally all of the drug that we put in you to make sure that uh, that it's all gone before we send you home because we don't want we don't want you to get some crystals in your eyes. I was like, okay. This you got to get weird. the crystals in your pee. Exactly. So I'm yeah. like, okay. Uh, and so the first time I was there, they're like, this this takes anywhere between three and three days and two weeks, depending on the person. And it literally is basically arbitrary. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you're old. It's just sort of a random amount. And my nurse mistakenly told me that if I drank water, that it would pass faster, which was not remotely true. Turned well, out, she told I you said, on purpose. She just was mistaken. Yes. And Sam yes. said. Challenge accepted. Yeah, so I drank <laughs> seven liters 
of water. In the a thing day. about this that's so funny is, of course, they had to measure your pee. A lot of it. And, that- and, <laughs> and you were peeing so much. Yeah. That they were probably just like, oh my fucking God, this guy yeah. will not stop peeing. Well, I think there's, there's an important note there, which is that if you, whenever you find these pieces that feel like they give you control, uh, you just pieces? go crazy. On them. This is like a, <laughs> this is like the the peeing equivalent of hoarding, right? Where you're like, there's a thing that I can do, and I'm yeah. gonna do it as hard as I possibly can. That's true. I hoarded my own pee during this first quarantine, and uh, and it didn't help. At it all. didn't help for shit. For well, or for piss, I guess yeah. in this case. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but yeah, so I that was what I sort of embraced. Is like I was like I could do like this is the thing I could do. I did it as hard as I could. I'm gonna pee my um, way out of this gonna, mess. Yep, I'm gonna pee my way straight out of this problem. And the issue was one was that of course turns out that that was misinformation. So that didn't even matter at the end of the day. And the secondary problem from that was that I had I thought that uh, my my whole framing being in quarantine was one of getting out of quarantine. Yeah, it was just like, what can I do to have this be over? Yes. And that is a very different orientation than saying, what can I do to have a really good time yeah. right now? Because we all need to accept in the current state of things that this is our lives now. Yeah. And it might be for a, a, while. a real long time. Yeah. And so instead yeah. of instead of asking the question or, or dreaming about what you're going to do when you get out of quarantine, um, though, you know, I think having something to hope for on the other side is always good. But uh, instead of doing that on the daily, focusing on asking the questions like, how can I make, you know, my work from home set up uh, even better? Or if you're not if you you know, if you're if you're laid off or you don't have the ability to actually work from home, just asking the question, you know, what can I do around the house to make this to make this place better, to make my experience better here. Um, and then beyond that, uh, what what rituals and stuff do I need to build in? Because if this is just how it is now, you need to be able to have a good time. Uh, and so that first time, uh, again, took, I think it had to take me uh, like five days to get out of the hospital, five or seven days or something. And I was miserable basically after day two or three when my extreme peeing exercise was not paying off at all. Um, and yeah, then I mean, imagine the, peeing that much for a whole week. I mean, it's just a. So I was work. so uncomfortable, Matt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then the second time, you know, uh, I actually just sort of moved in to the hospital room. I was like, I asked the nurses, like, could you move that bed against the wall so I can like clear out the space? I brought some little weights in, and then I had, you I had just had exercises. A, yeah, I had an order of operations, and all I did was just cycle through it. And so it was like eat some food, and then it was uh, do a small amount of exercise, so just like lift or do some push ups or something. And then uh, I brought a cardboard folding stand-up desk, which we built in the room. Um, my then-girlfriend, now wife, came in and threw up a bunch of, like, scarves and stuff all over. And so it had – it looked like a weird apartment with a fancy bed is sort of how it was. Yeah. Um, and, and some tubes. And some tubes. And so I just moved in. And then I was productively working. At night, I was playing games. Um so, so I, basically you went in and you were like, I don't give a shit when I get out of here. I'm just going to yeah. have a good time. I was like, cool, I'm going to move in because this place costs a billion dollars an evening. So I better <laughs> better enjoy it. Enjoy it. Make it uh, worth the stay. Yeah. It's, uh, and then I got out in two days that time. Uh, and things like, I don't know, again, because of the arbitrariness, who knows if that's a related fact as far as uh, you know my, my chill yeah, I mean, it is the case that uh, that stress hormones do all kinds of things to fuck you up. Yes. So, you know. Bear that in mind. Yeah, because it also makes it easier to get sick. It does. Right. And yeah, one of the things that – so I've I've been trying to think about the same way of basically like um, this – instead of being upset about it or being like you know pissed off that I'm trapped in my house, basically just saying like good. 
mm-hmm. I'm in my house now, uh, which means I, I'm in full control over my environment and I can do all the things that I've been wanting to do. Right? I don't have to commute either, so I'm saving some time. And so I'm trying to think about it like uh, as if I'm on a spaceship. Yeah, which is like yeah. Uh, whenever if you, if you watch like uh, the Expanse or even you know if you think about like, the astronauts, the International Space Station, they're fucking trapped in a box. For like mm-hmm. six months. So what are they doing? Like they've got a they've got a routine. They're exercising every day. You know, they've got a treadmill that they like strap into with like a rubber band fucking thing. <laughs> and and they and they run on it for two hours a day because otherwise their bones will melt. Um, which is a you know, a much worse situation than <laughs> we have. Yeah. Yeah. Bone um, melting isn't great. Yeah. Um and so so basically just kind of coming up with uh, routines. So we we've also done stuff like in our in our studio uh, Discord channel, uh, our server, we have a Workout of the day channel, text channel, where I'm just going and looking up uh, hotel wads. So wad is a CrossFit term for workout of the day. And it's basically just like a roughly 10-minute workout. Um, and hotel wad is a wad that you can do on the road. So you don't need equipment for it, right? Mm-hmm. And so so I'm just uh, scrounging up hotel wads and dropping them into the channel so that if anybody in the studio wants to uh, do those, then we can, we can all post our times and stuff like that. Um, and so that's been super helpful. And I've, I've now exercised more this week than I have in the past two months. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah so I think it, it all requires a lot of, uh, of re- creativity and then reframing, uh, to make sure that you can, you can possibly have a good time. But on that note, uh, there is, I think a, the weird American perspective on this stuff is that you're not, you almost aren't allowed to have a bad time. And I think it's actually fine to just be like, damn. This sucks real bad, um, and to have you know to have your moment of getting that out, and uh, you know there's also I definitely had that now. first couple of days. Yeah, I mean really. you have to go through that that piece of it, and sometimes like it'll come back, it'll come back, and it'll you know you'll wobble here and there. But I think finding well, some people the, to talk the five to stages of grief, right? Like you got to be pissed off about it, and then you got, there's got to be a while where you're like, this can't really. I mean, this is fucking crazy. Like this, yeah, this can't be happening. And then eventually you're like, okay. Yeah. I I mean, the reality is that you don't just move cleanly through all five stages, right? It's more like you're bouncing between them constantly. And so uh, I think part of it is make sure you can, you can either find a, you know, at least one person to talk to uh, about this stuff. And then also there's plenty of these like tele, teletherapy things now, like literally you get an app where you can just talk to a therapist, I think within like 20 minutes or something. Um, And don't, don't, uh, don't think that that wouldn't be a good idea if you're having any problem whatsoever with it because like yeah. just getting a little bit of a handle on it can make a ton of difference for making sure you have a good time during this crazy time. Yep. Yeah. So and if you're seeing I, your significant other and children a lot more often than you used to, this is also a good time to practice clear and direct communication skills <laughs> yes. and boundary setting and boundary <laughs> setting. Cause this is one of those things that, that people don't realize how much stuff, how much work they haven't had to do yet in their relationships because they don't see each other that much. Cause you could just leave. Yeah, because you because <laughs> you were just gone somewhere else a lot of the time, right? Yeah, uh, and and so you got to be able to cut your your all of your the people in your household need to all be cutting each other a little slack uh, because everyone's going to be kind of fucking up and aggravating each other mm-hmm. uh, because there will be certain things that you have not had to work through yet, and if you just treat this as like someone's you know being negligent or a dick or whatever without stepping back and thinking, oh, we haven't done this work yet. On our oh, we haven't been quarantined in a pandemic before. I forgot. Yeah, I, forgot. Yeah, I saw, I saw a great uh, post where somebody was like, you know, you learn things about your partner when you're now working with them uh, in the same room. She, and she was like, for example, 
I'm married to a let's circle back guy. Who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see things from your significant other that you've never actually seen before because the 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 context of where they're normally away from you and interacting with their coworkers or their employees or their boss or whatever. Um, it's all it's all out there in the open now. So you should yeah. make sure that you are being open and honest about uh, all these boundaries and all these changes and stuff. Yep. And otherwise, treat your day the same as you would any other day because I think getting getting a sense of normalcy is very important because um, there's there's this idea, there's kind of sense that if we're at home, it's like, oh, yeah, now, the, now none of the rules apply anymore, right? So I can wear whatever I want. I can wake up whenever I want, go to bed whenever – like everything feels like it's kind of whatever you want. Um yeah, the thing that pisses me off the most is people are like, oh, yeah, I get to just spend all day in my pajamas eating cereal. I'm like, no, <laughs> you, were, you were going to be that. so sad in four days. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, you need to, people need to feel productive. Um, we're all we're all seeking, you know, laziness, you know, because that feels good in the moment. Um, but in the long term, it it just is guaranteed to feel bad. And so, especially and it, when it you're creates trapped a cycle. You know, you just get trapped in this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, so I don't keep know if you your routines uh, and dress as if you're going to work because you are going to work. And, and even if you're out of work, um, it'll still be helpful to yes. get dressed for the day. Um, and because it'll 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 put you in a better mental space for dealing with what you have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that's all helpful. As uh, some tips on work from home. If you guys, if if any of our listeners have uh, struggles or questions about all this stuff, please uh, send us. Send us your questions over at podcast.bsketch.net and because there's a good chance that we are also dealing with and struggling with that same thing because this is a huge transition. Yeah. And we should also just give – as a quick rundown of how we've structured uh, our collaborative day, uh, we kick it off with video chat because we think it's important that everybody sees each other's faces and talks to each other like human beings uh, at the beginning of the day. So we do our, our daily stand-up where we tell each other what we're doing. Um, look at each other's faces. Uh, we actually start the video chat a little bit before the workday so that as people are coming online, we can like, just like shoot the shit a little bit, you know. Uh, yeah. We do the same thing at the end of the day so we can kick everything back down, let everybody kind of talk through what they were up to. Um, and so that everybody gets to feel like they're still part of the team and involved and we're getting to see each other's faces. And then while we're collaborating, we just hop in and out of everybody's sort of personal uh, VoIP channels. And that's that's mostly then over audio and just – Periodically, we'll just open up a screen share uh, to work through something um, or uh, where possible, just if it's going to be a longer chat, just open up video anyway. Even if you don't need yeah. it, if you just – if you're going to have a longer discussion, just open up video chat. And like we're just all uncomfortable and feel awkward. Face. Yeah, we all feel awkward you know, being on video, especially if we have shitty cameras. you know. But it's still better than not doing that. Yeah, yeah. and there's something, there's something that, we, that we were discussing when we first made this transition, which is like – if you're in the same room with somebody and you're not even talking to them, but you can occasionally sometimes see that they're getting frustrated or that they're having yeah. a hard time with something or whatever. And you can just pop in and just be like, hey, what's going on? You need to chat about something? You'll have a meeting? You want to t- like talk through this problem that you're clearly having? Um, and those problems are no longer clear when you're working from home because you don't see that person's face. You don't see them getting frustrated. Um, so it actually creates this, uh, this higher need to check in. Yeah. routinely and pop in and, and see how people are doing. So um, definitely do those, do those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and also, about, also uh, etiquette when you're on VoIP and on video chat is something that we're all kind of working on too, but we've noticed that a lot of the people that we, cause now all of our business partners are also working from home. And I, at least personally have noticed a lot of bad 
a lot of bad voice and video etiquette. So I think maybe we can save that for a future for the next episode or something. We can kind of talk through that. Yeah, but, we got lots sure. of news yep. to go through. Uh, so let's talk about studio news before we go on to uh, questions. So uh, so GDC happened this week and uh, they were streaming talks over YouTube – or sorry, over Twitch and then also uploading the, some of those talks onto YouTube. Looks like they're uploading one talk per day. I think they're trying to spread things really out. Really trickle that out there. Yeah. Um, but both of my talks managed to get into the stream and I don't know if that's because of the quality or because they just didn't have a lot of submissions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but the the response to both talks was super super positive. Um, I didn't have any but any uh, negative feedback on them at all, actually, which is a, a really nice and a far cry from my last talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. So so it kind it kind of ranged from I think the the only sort of like potentially negative thing was people just being like I can't believe you guys didn't know about all this stuff. But of course, like that's the whole point of it is yep. most people don't know about this stuff, and that's why that's why it's a talk. Um, but the the response was generally very good, uh, and the forgiveness mechanics talk is already up on YouTube, and I'm assuming that the DevOps talk will be up on YouTube sometime within the next uh, couple of weeks. So that one yep. is a little bit less less YouTubey because it's like or YouTube friendly because it's like a business and process talk that's a lot more in depth about things. Um, and I think their YouTube channel tends to focus a little bit more on things that are more broadly accessible. So I assume it'll go up, but if not, then we'll just put it up ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So that, that happened and that's, that went well. Um, and it was also kind of interesting to see because there were about like 900 to 1500 people watching these talks simultaneously yeah, on Twitch. Really cool. Which is great, and it kind of speaks to uh, the accessibility or lack thereof of the the event in its normal capacity. Because the the large talks at GDC are a couple hundred people, yeah, in the audience, um, and those talks then disappear for months and then reappear or, or permanently even, depending, or they permanently disappear, and so. So it's kind of an interesting conundrum, right? Because like what you're paying for to go to GDC is access to these transient things that might end up vanishing. Um, and now that they streamed it all live and a lot of – like there were so many people in the in the uh, Twitch chat in the comments who were like, oh, this is so great. Like I couldn't afford a ticket anyway and I wasn't able to go but I'm getting into game dev and, and all this information is super, super useful for me. Um, those people would have just been completely left in the dark before this. So, uh, so it's really nice to see that, that they, they still hosted an online event and that a lot of people got to participate. Uh, so otherwise we did our launch announcement this week. So Sam, you want to talk about that? That was mostly in your camp. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very fascinating whenever we do a launch announcement, because every so often, uh, alongside the comments on something like a YouTube channel or whatever else is people will be like, wow, this game looks great. And then they'll get mad. They'll be like, how come I haven't heard of it before? Why aren't you guys marketing it more? Um, which is a weird thing to say during an announcement, right? Okay, during a marketing <laughs> campaign. That is yeah. the, and also, of course, the reason that that person was able to come to the YouTube channel, uh, find the YouTube channel, and come there to talk about how it's not being marketed is because it's being marketed. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, it's actually it. probably because they clicked on an ad. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so yeah, this it's it's always a fascinating and weird thing um, to to try to to get all of this stuff lined up for an announcement like this. And so, 
So part of our goal with this announcement was to not only be able to, of course, talk about the fact that we're in Play Pass, which is super exciting, that we're coming to Epic, which is also super exciting, uh, but that that we would actually have store pages, uh, you know, up and ready and live for all those storefronts, so we could direct people to those. Um, so navigating basically all of the requirements from the stores simultaneous with navigating the creation of press releases, uh, the creation of press emails that are separate, um, and then the creation of the trailer, all this stuff. Um, this is, it's sort of like conducting an entire orchestra of effort that then has to, has to hit all in the same day, uh, or rather is supposed to, but of course, by virtue of the fact that we're on so many things at once, there's so many of these balls in the air. Uh, and it's also our first rodeo on a number of platforms. Uh, things also slide sideways. They always will, no matter what announcement you do, whatever launch you do, like things will always fly sideways. Um, so in our case, it was it went really well. I would say it was very slick, very easy. Uh, we did a ton of prep work. We have we use basically a spreadsheet system to keep track of all the things that need to happen before the announcement, and then all the things that need to happen on the day of whatever the announcement is, whether it's a launch or uh, a press beat. And so that's you know it ends up being like sixty items long on launch day, and then longer for the pre-announcement stuff to get everything ready. And so. Basically, what happens then? We wake up in the morning, uh, seven or eight. I send a press release to Games Press, which, by the way, is just a free thing. You just send in, literally, just send an email. Uh, <laughs> so in our case, I wrote a press release the week before. I uh, sent that email in, or scheduled that email to go in at seven thirty a.m., which is apparently the best time to do these things because that's sort of before all the news sources have woken up. So they wake up, go through the news, and, and now you're the top thing in the in the inbox. Yes. And so, uh, so we sent that out through Games Press, and then at uh, eight thirty or so basically started turning on all the storefronts to make sure they, were, they would all be on by the time nine o'clock rolled around, which is the actual announcement time. Then unveiled the trailer, uh, started or, un- and then did a mail merge to basically send 830 emails to specific press and specific, uh, streamers and YouTubers, letting them know that the game's coming out, uh, on April 30th. So it's not a press release. It's just sort of like, Hey, just to let you know, this is coming out soon. Um, and also request, them to give us the answer about what keys they need for stuff that isn't we're on form enough platforms that we can't just i can't know yeah and, and many so, of the platforms have uh for whatever reason um restrictions on how many keys you can give out yes so so we kind of so, need to know because we can't just throw 800 keys for everything out which we can for steam but not for everybody else yeah um, for steam we could do the hundred thousand keys and just give them all bad. to one person if we want yep. <laughs> and so we, we won't but we could yeah so all that stuff has to happen you know Pretty pretty close together, and then there's a couple of these sort of special emails that go out, which are just written the day of that go to specific people who we've already had more of a relationship with with regards to Levelhead. Um, and then on top of that, it's the weeks prior are talking to all the platforms to be like, hey, can you do anything for us? Um, you know, come come announcement day, can you give us a tweet? Can you give us whatever? And so, and then it's watching for those things to come up. And so, one of the most fascinating things about all this, like it's a, it's a lot of work. Uh, to say the least, and there's it's one of those weird pieces of pieces of work where you're doing a thousand things, and not one of them particularly matters, but yes. the the collective sum of all of them is what matters, and so it is very important that you have an organizational schema that that allows you to do way more than you should humanly be able to do uh, by virtue of sort of extending your brain, whether it's a spreadsheet, a database of contacts, mail merging systems, you know, to write emails by yourself, etc. Um, 
but one of the craziest things we find is that is is these platform booby traps, uh, as we've started calling them internally, which is yes, there's, there's so many of them. Yeah, so you know we're on seven platforms now, and it turns out that on a whole on most platforms there are certain things that they that you cannot find in documentation that they will not tell you, um, unless you specifically ask. Yes, unless you specific. So the knowledge is there; it's just not at the forefront. So I, I think a, a good example would be something like um, if if uh, you're launching on a platform and they say to you – and maybe it's like six months to launch or a year to launch or something like that. And you're starting to ramp up your marketing efforts. If they say to you, hey, uh, we're about to do like a big promo video for all the games that are coming out next year or whatever. Do you want your game in this video? If you say yes, there's a good chance that they will never put your game in another video. Yeah, as, as a point uh, of policy. As a point of policy where they say we feature every every important game. We will feature it in one video before it launches because yes. um, it's a zero-sum game, right? They, have, they only have so many, so many time slots available to show various games and to feature them. And there's a good chance that any platform marketing opportunity you get uh, will be the only time you get that opportunity. And yes. so – but so they will not communicate that to you by default. So a good follow-up, if yeah. you never just say yes to stuff, uh, you always need to ask the question and say, that sounds great. Uh, what would this mean for our for the the year after this uh, when we plan on launching the game? Will there be other featuring opportunities and other YouTube uh, video opportunities or stuff like that that we'll be able to take advantage of? Or is this the only one um, if we take it? Because that that's happened to us now a couple of times uh, in this context. Another fun one is, uh, which people know about to varying degrees. I feel like with early access on Steam, uh, early access is itself its own trap in many many ways. Uh, and the biggest one that we came across recently is that we can't actually put the launch date on there. Yeah, we, can, uh, which we can't. Means, we can't be in the coming soon section on Steam. Yes, and the coming soon section for those who aren't familiar is what drives in the basically the week up to launch. Literally thousands of wish lists, uh, oftentimes, yeah. and thousands of views of your page. Uh, it's one of the few places where organically Steam will still basically, no matter what, give you some eyeballs. And so you actually only get to do that when you first go into early access, which, of course, right. is also it's an early access game. So a lot of people don't even see it in that context. Uh, but then it's also not at its best. And so it's one of those like, oh, damn, uh, now we can't do that. So we've had to. We edited our store page and and done some other stuff to try to get around that. Yeah, and one of the things we found was, of course, coming into early access when we reached out to press and streamers and everything, the the general response was, was, uh, we're not going to cover this. Come back to us when it's released, right? Yep. Um, And so we found it very hard, if not impossible, to drive store traffic uh, with the initial launch of the game. And we also know that Steam's algorithms are based on a lot of external traffic. So uh, there, there's that concept of the – and we, we talked about this like I think a, a, within a, like around a month of when we first launched into early access. But there's – a lot of traffic comes from this uh, games like this recommendation mm-hmm. on Steam where, where if you're looking at a particular game, then they will show a few other games that are like that. And that is actually not necessarily based on, with, on which games actually are like that game. It's, actually, it's more based on which games are just performing really well. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it creates a positive feedback loop where the more traction your game gets, um, especially from external traffic, like from uh, YouTube videos or that kind of thing, um, then 
the more likely your game is to show up in other game store pages and it creates this cycle, right? Yeah. And so we so found getting, was that, yeah, sorry. Uh, so what we found was that uh, being in early access meant that our game wasn't showing up in a lot of lists and also people wouldn't um, cover it because of it being in early access. And it created a negative feedback loop for us. And uh, now I think the only way for us to get out of that feedback loop is to try to use the simultaneous launch across all the other platforms to drive traffic back into Steam. Yes. Because um, I think as of right now, Steam is showing level head to 200 people a day. Yes, 200 people a day. Yep. Yeah. And and as we know, things have like a, a very low um, conversion just generally. Like that's always true. Like if you get a – if you get a, a couple hundred people to look at a at a website or something, you know, maybe one percent of them will actually go through and and into the next step and buy something. And so, so the sales uh, generally on there have just been extraordinarily low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're hoping that we can short sort of short circuit this problem with this big uh, simultaneously simultaneous launch. Uh, but but we did not know at the time just how many traps there were going to be. Uh, from launching into into early access, yeah, and so there's we've come up we've come across these now on uh, just on every single platform, uh, every single one of them has some traps, and so uh, it's been a, it's been a fascinating rodeo, and one that I think has has made it. It's just to me, it's it's really reinforced the idea of uh, as far as your team goes, is being very kind to your team when it comes to trying to handle this level of complexity and these partners because. Uh, it's the sort of thing where, like, you can't. It's it would be easy to flip a lid about any one of these things. How could how could you not know? Um, but the reality is is more so the other side of the question, which is how could how in the fuck could you know if you didn't already know? Um, yeah. And I think having having the ability to, in our case with our team, uh, being having having a place that is has a lot of psychological safety, so people can speak up if they if they mess something up, and then also where where the immediate reaction is then to, to simply look for a fix uh, as opposed to try to, uh, you know, point a finger for blame uh, yeah. is I think really the way to go because you, especially with, in our case, this, this launch on this many platforms is there's just going to be a lot of stuff. Yes. Uh, so it's been a lot and hopefully we, uh, I mean, it's, it's getting a good response so far. And so hopefully we can now use this to build up the traction we need. For the full launch. Oh yeah, I'm super um, excited. Yeah, the announcement did go very well. Just as a as a ending point there, <laughs> yeah. as much work as it is to do. All right. So last little bit of studio news. Uh, we did. Uh, we we ran through the tutorial last weekend with some in person testers. Um, went incredibly well. Uh, yeah. We we actually had. So we used to br- we'd bring in in uh, in person testers to run through the new player experience before the tutorial, which was basically just it just drops you into the campaign and you just kind of play the campaign. Um, generally, and, and our instructions for people in these scenarios is always just like play until you feel like you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can just play as much as, as you want. And typically after about 20 minutes, people would be like, okay, I get, I it. get it. I yeah. get it. You know, uh, it's a platformer. <laughs> uh, so we, we added the tutorial last week and then we ran people through uh, this in-person new play experience and uh, in and it was we only we were only able to get three people through because each of them played for three hours and we had to cut them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, they played too much. Actually, yeah, it was phenomenal to see. I'm, I'm super excited about what the overall effects going to be, uh, especially since this will be 
this will all be available for the launch and like that's the key that's the key to get the whole thing running so i'm really really yeah. glad yeah so um so with that uh now implemented we're doing a mobile beta this weekend so by the time the podcast airs the mobile beta will have already been well underway um but we've also had uh, a number of our of our community members our sort of like community paragons from the discord um they have been doing sort of like a very small mobile beta strike team test over this past week um what we generally found is is level it does take a bit more of a beefier device to run uh it just needs to be new ish it's like last three years right uh yeah if if you have uh like a fairly high end phone from probably like 2017 or or later then you're you're going to be in good shape um we found that as soon as you get into the like 2 gigabytes of ram area or lower then there's just not enough leftover space on the device once with the operating system and everything else to load up like the 70 whatever texture pages that we have mm-hmm. and the 250 audio files and we have like thirty. We have like thirty-five music tracks. It's a big like, game. This game is so much bigger than Crashlands. Actually, um, it's it's pretty ludicrous. Uh, so we'll have a lot more information about kind of how that how that uh, went. But I like to I like to give a shout out to Touch Arcade for uh, posting our a link to our beta sign up on their page, which yielded quite yeah, a lot of sign ups. Drive some sign ups. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're gonna have we're gonna have plenty of uh, we're gonna. Plenty of people to choose from for the beta, and our goal is to get a diversity of of people. Because well, I mean, it'll be want- good to get some fresh blood in too. Because uh, we, you know, otherwise it just comes from our own community who's largely already playing the game on Steam. Um, yeah, and it's not that their opinions don't matter. It's no, just it's that, just that this we need scenario, fresh ones. Yeah, yeah. In this scenario, we need uh, we need to get that that tutorial tested and the new player yeah. experience. Because um, of course, what a what an experienced player thinks about a tutorial is there should be a skip button. Like that's yes. <laughs> that is the only thing they think. Yeah, they're like, yeah. I know all these things. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll be working on that, and we'll have more information about kind of how that went um, next week. So that is, I think, all the all the studio news. Uh, so let's get on to questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscutch.net. First question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop, who says, "The next Prime podcast is two fifty one. Just so you know, it's also an Einstein Prime and a Sophie Germain Prime." And a Chen Prime. Wow. So don't know what those mean. It just means the number is fancy. This is a fancy number episode. This is four different kinds of prime, uh, which means that it's not a prime, I think, because four is, of course, divisible by uh, two. Ah, yeah. Yeah, because you can just so, divide each kind of prime by the other kind of prime. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, so clearly – Something something got lost here. Uh, our next question comes from Under Scrum Rompy Yervly, who says, <laughs> "What if you had a World of Warcraft like Mount in real life? What would each of you choose?" I don't okay, know so enough about the so five thousand mounts available in World of Warcraft to question well, one of those. I, I would just I would just kind of take this into in a slightly different direction, which is the way that a mount works in World of Warcraft is is. There's a 1.5 second sort of summoning time, and then you're just on it now. Nice. Mm-hmm. You're yep. just on it now, and you're just going. Uh, and whenever you're done with it, you just uh, you know turn it off, and you're just walking around. So, so rather than like picking a mount from World of Warcraft, the question is: if you could summon a mode of transportation like this, where just all of a sudden you're just on it and going, 
and then you could just put it away instantly and it's just gone now. What would you pick? Mm. Uh, and I, I assume that this, if this was like an animal, it would just be sort of tame and and totally fine out of the Yeah, game. it wouldn't be murder. It, it's, it's like a it's like, a it's like an avatar, you know, where they yeah, stick yeah. Their, their hair nerves into their its hair nerves into the thingies. Socket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they're just one. You yeah. know? I would go with uh, – I would go with a tiger. Mm. Because mostly because I I love cats in general and I really like big cats and I would love nothing more than to be able to go just hug one because they're so big you know. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that they want to like, eat you. So imagine you're at a restaurant and you're like, all right, let's go I'll go home. No blah blah blah, and then you step outside the restaurant and you're just on a tiger now. Yeah, I'd be fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> and off you go. Into the sunset. Yep, that's my like tiger. I feel like the family van version of that would be like that uh, that cat bus from that Studio Ghibli movie. You know the one I'm talking about? No, like, <laughs> <heard of> that <laughs> from Spirited that. Away. There's or not Spirited Away from uh, uh, My Neighbor Totoro. There's a cat bus. It's literally a it's literally a cat that is also a giant bus. <laughs> people get yeah, that's, it. That's what you would call a passenger mount. Yeah. You, know, you can go, get yeah. multiple people onto that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, I think this is the only condition under which I would actually want a fancy car because the problem with getting a fancy car is that now you have to worry about you take care the of fancy it. car. But if I could just have it go away. Yeah. Cause of course world of Warcraft you know? mounts, uh, there's a few extra, you know, perks that they have. Some of them can fly. So that's good. Um, including some of the ones that shouldn't fly. Like there's certain tigers and, and large cats that just do fly. Yeah, they so basically I mean, just a flying tiger. There. Obviously, is the best. A flying it. tiger is clearly <laughs> the best. Um, so there's that. Uh, also, they can all jump, even if they are a machine. So you could be on a motorcycle, but still just jump mm, over yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be taken for granted the the powerful effect that being able to just store this thing instantly and not have it be able to be damaged. Parking is not a thing. Yeah, parking, you just show up. Neither is gas. Uh, It just is always able to run. It can't be damaged. You're saying you want like – yeah, because in that case, you can go with the the least practical option like a a tank or something, you know? Because you could just summon a tank. Then now you don't have to worry about getting killed on the road by other drivers because you're you're the one doing the killing. You're the one doing the killing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, because there is no road drive. In this, so in this universe where you can where you can instantly teleport, uh, you know, large objects to your side, but it cannot teleport yourself to other places, so you still have to travel. Um, being able to travel in the most armored way possible, I think, is is what you would need. And, and in fact, there would be an arms race. You're absolutely 100 percent correct. Like, yeah, I think there so would be an arms race. So I guess bulldozer is my is my new choice. Yeah, you're gonna need a bulldozer tank because that cat. You know, that organic creature is not going to be not going to be toast. I mean, the fact that it can fly is going to help a lot, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would probably enough. want to get a, um, a a large quadcopter that I can strap into. Mm. Nice, you know, just for about because uh, I, I gotta admit, I'm real tired of uh, traffic and just terrain generally. You know, when I, when I look at Google Maps and I'm like, I need to go from A to B and it's not a straight line ever. It pisses me off every time because <laughs> I know the shortest path would only take me three minutes to get right. pretty much anywhere. As the crow flies. But uh, no, it's going to be 45 minutes because I'm just weaving and bobbing through alleys and mm-hmm. one-way streets. Then I got to park when I get there. 
I, if I could just just go straight up, go to straight line, and then just be on the roof of that place, uh, that would be perfect. So that way, I can, that way I can drop in into the kitchen and get some free snacks. So actually, what if we flip this around? What if instead of you summoning your mount, your mount could summon you? That way, mm. your mount has to go do the traveling. So you just hang out at home. You're doing great. And then, and then you send off your bulldozer, now. right? So your bulldozer <laughs> drives uh, mean it's, a, it's a mobile teleportation <laughs> device. A, yeah, because currently you're a mobile teleportation device for your mount. So why, why the fuck don't we flip that the other way? That's true. If we have that technology, well, we would technically have the other technology. Exactly. Well, no, you're, not, you're not a teleportation device because you're summoning the mount. So when, when it's – Summoning it from where? From the void. Yeah. The, you know? Like your house. I think, your house I think, is the void. I think the equivalent <laughs> would be like if you – when you needed to go somewhere, you ceased to exist and then your mount appeared in your place and it just went there for you and then now you're there, you know. That would also be fine because then you wouldn't age while you traveled. Exactly. So, so if you needed too. to just – if you just needed a break, yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to hunker down and wait this whole thing out. Uh, you just <laughs> summon your flying tiger and be like, just do some laps for <laughs> a year <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then bring me back out of my void. Uh, when it's time, it's a useful tool for a pandemic. I feel like, yeah, definitely. yeah, it would uh, it would be quite useful. All right, I think uh, last question of the day. We didn't get to too many because you know because of this a lot going on, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it comes from Woland seventy seven. I have noticed that a lot of the games going up for free on the Epic Store are the base version of games with DLC or different versions. I don't think that's what was going on when Epic started the handouts, but it seems to have become the standard. Even Assassin's Creed Syndicate, an older game, was able to offer a free product using this method. Is this the new demo? What do you think about this development in the economy of games? So yeah. the idea would be give out a free game to a shitload of people, but then still be able to sell stuff in the yeah. game. Well, I think that's exactly it. It's because Epic is, is, of course, paying up front for this in the first place. Um but as with all monetization strategies, there's, no, there's always a question of like, okay, well, we know we got that part locked down. Is there something else we can do, which is what DLCs are and all this stuff, right? Um, so to me, it just makes perfect sense actually that you would do this. Yeah. Actually, as far as from a studio standpoint, from a business standpoint, it makes much less sense to only be able to give away the, the entire game for free rather than Yeah, because be that means you only on. make whatever money you were paid out of the gate correct so yeah, yeah it, it makes a it makes a lot of sense so I, I don't think these are i think the interesting framing of it as a a quote demo is the fascinating part uh which yeah because it's a full fucking game each one of these yeah. <laughs> the, idea, the idea that the original assassin's creed isn't the whole game it's a, a demo it's for a the demo. Uh, <laughs> yeah is, is i think a little bit far uh to stretch that to be honest if I'm well i don't honest. think i don't think he's asking if it is a demo it just is this like Going to replace the concept of what demos were, which was like you get a free chunk of the uh, game and then you. Buy uh, I would them. say a hundred percent no, um, because that that requires giving away an entire this. game for free. Yeah, um, most studios don't have this kind of uh, resources. No, <laughs> but further than that, there's there's the concept of the attach rate, right? Which is which is the fraction of people who got the base game who then go on to get an expansion or or whatever it. Um, and the attach rate, of course, at best can be a hundred percent. Um, so whatever you originally put out of the base game, that is the most possible people who could buy stuff inside of it. Uh, and the reality though, it's always way less than that, like way less than that. Yeah. So you can't have your business model be like, give away an entire game so that 5% of people who play the whole game and then want more 
and are also willing to pay for it, if that even makes up 5%, um, actually do buy something. And then that's that's where I make my money. Um, I can't see that paying yeah. out. I can't see that working. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And if you're talking about an Assassin's Creed game, like that's this isn't the game's debut, you know. Like it's been a it's been around. It's been making the rounds for quite some time. So this is like a uh deep in the tail thing to kind of like breathe some life um back into the game's uh revenue stream. Yeah. But as far as like a yeah, it, it definitely wouldn't be your upfront strategy for for making sales. Mm-hmm. No. Definitely. Yeah, but otherwise, I mean, I think it is a cool strategy though for a platform because because think about what's actually happening here. Because the goal here isn't so so what Epic is doing with these giveaways is different than what you're doing when you're normally selling a game, right? Their goal is to make it so that all of the people who have the Epic client build up a large library of games so that they can directly take on Steam because the biggest difference they have with steam is the fact that people are already on steam and already have libraries and so that's actually the main incentive that epic has and that's the whole idea of the free giveaway they, they basically need to give stuff away for free in order to make that happen yeah because you should ask yourself why would they pay a developer to put their game on the epic store for you to free, have uh where epic is not going to get generally for these games uh epic is not going to get money from those games yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they can now add a mechanism by which both the developers get paid more and they actually get paid uh, a little bit um, by having something with an attach rate that goes along with it, uh, then they still get to do what they're trying to do and they have the ability to to offset some of the the very large cost that they have to basically give these things away for free um, in, a, in a way that doesn't feel like it's a bait and switch, right? Um, I, will, I will admit that there have been a few of them that I've gotten off of Epic that felt a little bait and switchy because – it felt like I was being immediately sold like the next higher tier thing, you know? Uh, but, but it wasn't enough to really feel like it mattered. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in the end I still got like really good games for free. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a model, but that is very specific to what Epic is doing. Yeah. 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 And it's, you'll, you'll, you'll see it probably more and more as, cause a lot of the free games that came out in the earlier days of Epic were a lot of older indie games and stuff. Um, now, if you're getting, you know, Assassin's Creed for free, uh, that kind of dip. stuff, like, uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to be a, a more and more viable option for larger AAA studios to extend the tail of their games, um, because it's good for Epic uh, having those AAA games for free. Um, I am wondering when Epic's going to launch their subscription service. You know? Yeah, <laughs> when, when Nintendo's going to launch one, everybody. Yeah, I'm just wondering where everybody who doesn't have one has one. Yeah. Because uh, when is it when is it going to happen? Is basically, the when's it going to happen? I mean, Microsoft is just fucking blazing forward on this stuff. Um, yeah, and Sam, you played Ori. Uh, I did. Last weekend. I just played just because I got Game Pass, so I just just you played, played it. it. You just it, it was amazing, and I was like, "What? How did this just show up in here?" And I have done literally nothing, literally well, nothing paid, to get it. You paid ten bucks a month, or are you still on your free uh, your free time? Uh, yeah, I'm my, still on my my free one for a moment here. All right, so we'll be seeing, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more subscription services coming out of the near future. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a uh, way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye.